Um, another round of love for the amazing Suzanne Soul. So God is good, yes? Yes. Even when you leave the house in a rush on the way to airport and you close the door behind you, you realize you've locked it and left your keys and phone in the house. God is good. And then you get to the airport and you go through security and then you've got extra time so you go and you eat, you go to your gate, you sit down and you go, I don't have my bags. So you run all the way back to security and go through a whole process to get your bags and God is good. (laughs) And then I decide (laughs) that it would be smart to take a banana in my computer bag to eat it for later, but then I forgot that the banana was in the computer bag until I reached my hand in and pulled out a mushy (laughs) banana. I thought, God is so good. I was working in D.C., actually, and then I was flying back to realize that I had accidentally made my flight reservation to be a layover, which adds about three hours to my trip to the whole weekend. So how was your weekend? (laughs) God good? Yes. All the time. That really is true, actually. I mean, those are the, that is true. That's what happened over the weekend. And so what? So what? God is in the midst of it all, in the mix of it all, and it actually is quite fun to affirm that and to experience that in relationship to whatever is occurring, in the midst of, in the middle of something that appears to be frustrating and wrong. Do the practice. God is good right here. God is good. Something's happening for me. Don't know what it is. That's clear. But something good is happening. We are... um, Winding down our prosperity series, next week is our final week. We've been studying The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist, um, a magnificent book, and a brilliant woman who kind of by accident, traveling the world, helping others, serving the world, um, uncovered a lie. She uncovered a very important lie that the world was living by, which is simply there's not enough. She uncovered this lie, and she began to see that the truth of the matter is that there is sufficiency everywhere. So this woman had what I would say is a spiritual awakening. She opened to the reality of what's really happening, and then she started living from that and teaching others how to live from that. She's actually going to be here this coming Friday night, and I really hope you'll come and hear her Um, And it'll be an amazing talk, an amazing experience to meet her and to hear her stories of traveling the world and how she is helping the poorest parts of the country, of the world, excuse me, poorest parts of the world wake up to to the sufficiency that they're living in. She's a phenomenal woman. Many of us here can intellectually say, yes, scarcity is a lie, abundance is the truth of my being. But also, many of us still have pockets where we're not experiencing this. There are certain areas in our lives where we're still experiencing this lie called lack and limitation. And when we're experiencing the lie of lack and limitation, it doesn't feel like a lie, does it? It feels like it's the truth. It feels like it's really happening. In fact, it is happening in your experience. But the reason it's happening in any particular area of your life is because in that particular pocket... There is an agreement to that lie. 
You see, on some level of our being, unconscious, of course not. You wouldn't consciously choose this, so let yourself off the hook. Don't get into the the silliness of, I created this and and there's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You did create it, but the subconscious mind is working a lot more within you than you fully understand right now, so we need to surrender to that. The subconscious mind agreed to the belief that there's not enough love or money or health or creative jobs or ways to make a living The subconscious mind agreed to the lie and then activates the expression of this lie in different pockets of our lives. And I know the pain of that. I truly do. I know what it feels like to have that lie living in an area of your life and wanting so badly to be free of it, wanting to be released from it so that you can experience flow, so that you can experience the truth of sufficiency in that area. I know, and I know the dark night where you just can't figure it out for the life of you, where you've gone to the 10th workshop, where you've taken the umpteenth number class, where you've heard us talk about over and over and over, and you go home, and there's this part like, am I really broken? Am I really just defective in this area? And when that happens, we often we trigger um, the feelings of embarrassment or even deep shame. And when that happens, unfortunately, those vibrational feeling tones increase the attention on the lie. That kind of sucks, doesn't it? I mean, that just doesn't seem fair. But that's how it works. The law works that way. So we've got to get really conscious to the truth. We've got to be really willing to get in relationship to the truth, no matter what's happening in the world of form. Because if you will keep building that muscle, building that muscle, building that muscle, you will be able to, in the midst of something occurring that says there's not enough, say, this can't be true. This can't be true because the truth of God is sufficiency. And the truth of God is that God is everywhere present. So if God is everywhere present, that means right here. And if the nature of God is sufficiency, that means that sufficiency must be present here. Just because my human eyes are unable to see it here doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That kind of truth-telling is what begins to shift the consciousness. That kind of truth-telling is what begins to awaken the light of wholeness within you. And there's a yes that rises up. And, you know, maybe that time, in that particular moment, you won't be able to see it immediately, but you have begun to shift your consciousness. You have begun to change your mind, your experience. The next time it comes, you catch it even sooner. Next time it comes, you can literally just say, oh, no, not here. This shall not occur here. And then a whole new dream is being born inside of you. What Sharon read about earlier, in order to have a new experience of the world, you have to have a new dream. And you have to not only dream about it like fantasy, disconnected from your ability to manifest, but dream as a living, vibrational feeling tone that is within your body, that is within your mind and your emotional field. A new idea about yourself and the very place where there seem to be lack and limitation, that idea will dissolve away and that whole new dream will appear right there where you're standing. Yeah, give me an amen on that one. That's good. That's good. It will happen for you. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. When that which is actually there already, you just can't see it, is revealed. 
And someone goes, how did you do that? And you go, I have no clue. I have no clue, but I'm sure glad it's happening. And I welcome more. I welcome more miracles. You're a miracle maker. You are here to make miracles happen, which simply means revealing God's grace in the midst of that which appears to not be there. That's who you are. You're not a plumber or a baker or a lawyer or a teacher or a mother or a father. You're not this. You're not. Those are just roles that you're playing. But in back of it all, you are a miracle maker wired to reveal the grace of God everywhere you are. Don't you want to experience that? That's cool. That's exciting. Take a breath because that's who you are. It truly is. Lynn Twist says that collaboration leads us to and grounds us in sufficiency. I love that quote. It's in collaboration. It's in community. It's in coming together where we begin to get grounded in this idea of sufficiency. It's in working together. When you come to Bodhi, as I talked about in the welcome, you are immersing yourself in a higher vibration, a collaborative, collective energy where where the parts of us that all say God is real and something magnificent is occurring, we bring those parts and those parts start to line up and link together like a big old Lego construction thing. And then that begins to infuse and inform and transform who you are. The collective working together in collaboration. This place lifts all of us higher to make your path easier. You can do it on your own. You certainly can. And it would take a lot more time and a lot more focus and a lot more energy. And that's not a bad way to go. I just like the community energy. I like coming together. I like letting go and letting this change. I know most of you leave this place on Sunday going, oh, my God, I feel better. I feel expanded. It's because you put yourself in this consciousness. That's the collective energy working for you. Lynn Twist also says, Collaboration becomes the circuitry through which the energy, attention, and resources of sufficiency flow and are continually renewed. Implicit in collaboration is the truth that says there is enough, and we will figure out how to use it together wisely. I love that last sentence. Isn't that cool? Implicit in collaboration is the truth. It's actually truth, not trust. Well, trust. <laughs> trust. Oh, actually, it is trust. You did it right this time. <laughs> oh! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I am going to taste that all day tomorrow. All day tomorrow. Oh, God, forgiveness is good. <laughs> it's working all the time. Implicit in collaboration is the trust that says there is enough and we will figure out how to use it together wisely. See, you don't have to depend upon your own unsteady willpower, those of you who know what that means. You don't have to depend upon that. You can depend upon the collaboration to reveal sufficiency, coming together in consciousness together. You know, it's spiritual practice to look not unto the world for your truth, 
Because it will tell you opposite. But to go within and listen to the higher voice of spirit and then allow that to be revealed. You know, the world says compete for resources. That's what it says. But nature says cooperate and share and watch how there will always be enough. The world says survival of the fittest. Where nature actually says take what you need and leave the rest. And enjoy being a part of the circle of life. Honor what you take. Know that it is life giving to life. And together we are sharing when we take just enough. The world says get a storage bin first month free. And put all of your extra crap that you don't need in there. So that you can have more stuff that you don't need. That's what the world says. But nature says... Continue to purge, continue to let go, continue to pass it on so that you're sharing it. Because what you have that's sitting there not being used is actually rotting. And someone could use it. Someone needs it. So nature says, let go. Keep your burden light. Move, move with just a light load. And keep sharing what you have because more will continue to come. More will continue to come your way. The world says, look out for your own. And God says, what does that mean? How is that possible? All is your own. It's not separated. You don't have to just protect your own to keep it safe. That, is, that literally doesn't compute In the mind of oneness. But when you expand that all is my own. Then it flips over. Oh look out for everyone. Share and be a part of everyone. All is my own. Sharing creates sufficiency. Sharing creates sufficiency. Now that really hits hits you in the gut. Especially the part that doesn't get it. Or isn't living it. The part that feels contracted. And, and feels like it doesn't have a penny or a thing to give. And here I am going, sharing is what's going to create. It makes you go, oh my God, how do I do that? Oh my God, how do I do that? You know how you do it? Oh my God. Oh my God, show me. Show me how to do this. That's how we discover. We find sufficiency and sustainable prosperity when we think of our resources as a flow that is meant to be shared. That's when it starts to occur, when we start giving and sharing what we have. Another Lindquist quote, I love this, to recognize, lift up, and shine a light of the beauty of reciprocal relationships and interactions in our lives is to uncover vast reservoirs of existing wealth that we have taken for granted. In reciprocity, there is nourishment and joy. I am there for you, and you are there for me. Collaboration is what made Bodhi occur. Collaboration and sharing of gifts and talents is what keeps this community alive and vibrant. The move into this amazing home was done because we as a community brought together our resources. And those of you who had extra finances threw that in. And those of you who had extra sweat threw that in. And some of you threw both of that in. But all of us came together 
to whatever extent you could give, and many of you even more than that, because you allowed yourself to stretch. And we landed here in this most beautiful facility that did not look like this (laughs) when we got here. Amen. (laughs) Your core council, your board of trustees, is an amazing group of, of people, of you, that gives it their time and talent and collaborates and works together so that there is a policy governance program that we operate within that keeps us focused on our vision and moving toward that. They are serving us, collaborating and working together. Our spiritual counselors are an amazing body of people and consciousness here that work together to create a field of prayer and knowing of the truth that we can all depend upon. They're an amazing group of people. The teams that work every Sunday morning, the welcome team, the Bodhi Bar, the concierge, the amazing cafe team, the people who serve our youth and family, our amazing hug team that makes all of every Sunday, they get themselves organized and figure out, and usually we're like, we're going to move the chairs this way, we're going to do it differently, we're giving away candy bars instead of this. Every Sunday practically, that team rises up And they take what's given them, and they make it work. There's so many. I'm missing teams, of course. Our musicians, of course. It's all of us coming together to share our gifts and talents so that we can have these classes, these Sunday gatherings, these ways of being together where we don't have to do it alone, where we can allow love, where we share love, and we allow the very best part of us that we keep hidden from the world, that we keep hidden when we go home to see our family, that we keep hidden maybe even in your own household. But here at Bodhi, we crack that door open so that that higher, most amazing self can come forward. That's what we're here to do. You know, I love this quote by an aboriginal woman. She said, if you are coming to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you're coming because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. When we really get that our liberation is connected to the person that you're sitting next to, even if you don't know them. When you really get that we are a collective vibration and we are together becoming free. This isn't a one-man show. Our liberation is intimately connected to each other. And when we get that and we start living in that, then the sharing, the giving is phenomenal. And the receiving of it, not just the giving, because you can't open your door of giving and keep your door of receiving closed. That doesn't work. You know that doesn't work, even though many of you are trying to make that work. It doesn't work. Stuart Wilde says, it may be a battle at first because your mind does not understand these laws, nor does it understand the laws that govern your potential. It will have a tendency to advise you logically from its own experience, meaning the mind will have a tendency to reference the world, to say, now you know that's not going to work because look at your experience. Now you know love's not for you, sweetheart. Remember, that's what the world of form will do. But the laws of spirit, the law of your potential, the law of what's true all the time, it's difficult for us to understand in the beginning. You logically try to understand it. And logic is death 
to the part of you that is the miracle maker. Logic is death to the part of you. Remember, you're a miracle maker. You're here to reveal, to make miracles happen, to reveal oneness where the world says there isn't. And logic will, will argue with that. So the miracle maker must be up first. It must wake up first. You must say hello to the miracle maker first when you rise up. Real fast. If you're like me, the ego starts to chatter. I move around my house and I go, oh, really? Okay, pray. Immediately, we we say hello to the miracle maker and we build that relationship. You know, we're in the pledge drive. We've got an additional week. And there's a couple things I want to address as a collective. One of them is someone said to me, and I really appreciate this, how do you expect people to tithe when they can't buy groceries? Take a deep breath. That's a really good question. And I want you to know that I don't expect anyone to tithe. Tithing is a spiritual practice, and you have to be in alignment with that practice in order for it to work for you. If you're going to try to do it out of obligation or requirement or thinking that that you can be broken but make it work or something, if there's any part of you that thinks you should, then you need a little more prayer before you step into that practice. So tithing is giving 10%. That is, that is, I do want you to get there because that means you believe in God first. That means in the place where you suffered pain, lack, and limitation, you now are saying God is right here. That's what the practice is for. But it doesn't mean that you're ready to do that. And it doesn't mean you're wrong for that at all. At all. We're all where we are. And the sometimes the worst thing we can do is overstretch a muscle so that you pull it or you injure it, and then you're never going to do it again. That's not what I want. For those of you who are in that place, what I want you to do, I want you to start giving consistently. I want you to take your next step, which may be just making a commitment to do a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars a week, and really getting yourself in the practice of giving and sharing and watching it grow and multiply slowly for you. It's sort of the um, the turtle wins the race kind of a thing, right? So, so if you're living in that sort of thing where there's any pain or shame around this, please accept the healing that my words are giving you now. All I want for you is to begin your healing process. And if you're going from zero to 90 uh, miles an hour and going to jump right into the Edwin gains, this is how you do it, you can do that. But you need a lot of support, and this is a full-time commitment on your part. This is like saying, I'm going to become a world-class bodybuilder, competitive bodybuilder in three months. (laughs) Well, you could do that, but oh my God, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and, they, and, and it's, it's available to be done. Some of you want that, and that's cool. Go for it. Get the support you need. But for the, for the rest of us, what we want to create is a sharing. A million dollars looks like a really big number if you're sitting by yourself going, how am I going to buy my groceries this week? But it's not a really big number. When we come together and we share our resources the same way we have been for the last nine years, our birthday is actually in three weeks. Isn't that fun? That's really fun. I'm going to be nine years old. Here's my last one. People believe that churches are just ripping you off. And I get that because a lot of them probably have. But this is what I really believe. 
And this is what's really true. Let's get really sober to this. It's actually the world that says you need one more thing, bigger, better, prettier. It is the world out there of consumerism that is ripping us off, causing or inspire, trying to get us to use our resources in ways that we don't really need to or want to, leaving us depleted and empty on the other side. That's what's ripping us off. That's what's true. You know, it's all pretty and looks good, but, but consumerism is a uh, bottomless pit. And to the extent that we get stuck going down it, and believe me, I'm, I'm a happy consumer. I love to go shopping. It's fun. But I've got to watch myself. I need to know where to stop because the world isn't going to tell me to stop. That's what's ripping me off. I promise you, with my whole being, Bodhi is a place where you can invest and trust and know that the people that are running this place are of the highest integrity. And we make mistakes, absolutely. Absolutely we do. But we're here for the vision, and we're here because we know all that you give is precious resource. It is our resource, and we care for that, and we know that, and we love that. So I want to end my talk today on that, reminding you, you're a miracle maker. Your job is to make miracles happen where it appears not to be. And I invite you over this next week, if you haven't done so, to be in prayer, talk to someone, talk to a spiritual counselor, connect with someone, and talk things through, and see if you can get yourself to take a step to pledge and be a part of the vision that we're building together because it's only together that this vision will be built. Yes? And so it is. Thank you. All right.